0: Ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick daughter Heather Brittany deliver lessons of success, spanning the generations of the globe in their information packed. T for two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Yeah.
1: well hello power partners and welcome to radio's finest hour of power this is star style be the star you are and my name is cynthia bryan and i'm heather rittany and we are always delighted to be your personal growth success coaches here on the airwaves with you bringing you authors experts and professionals that help you enjoy a more fulfilled life so you get ready to pump your energy to love, to learn, to laugh, to listen, and of course, to live your dreams because we are a show about doing what you love, following your heart, and doing it with spirit. The show's brought to you under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity as an outreach program to increase positive messages, and it's produced by Star Style Productions. Now, a great thing about this month is we are actually celebrating a full seven years on the World Talk uh, radio network so yeah. woohoo! we started in 2004 so happy anniversary to us and to world talk radio well today on be the star you are we are going to have a fantasy day we are going into the fantasy world of kings and queens when heather and i will discuss behind the scenes of the royal wedding we'll follow that up as we should in segment two, with high tea. But we're going to go into the garden to romp for a tour de force of planting herbal teas for your sipping pleasure. And in sure. our final segment, we're going to fly with dragons and battle with evil knights. When Ruth Dewhit debuts her novel, *The Dragon Forest*, and I have to tell you, Heather, I read this is a book that is supposed to be for young boys, and. Hey. Um, It is like, you know, it's like Tolkien or C.S. Lewis, something like that. I was so entranced with this book. I've been dreaming about flying with the dragons and going into the forest and (laughs) everything. It has been such a fun book, so I can't wait to talk to Ruth. Well, anyway, the miracle moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Coaching, helping you to be the star of your own life and helping you to write, to speak, to act, and to do better media interviews. For a private session, call nine two five three seven 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 eight two seven or visit star style dot com. And this is from astronaut Edgar Mitchell. Well people ask us, do you read history? No, I answer, we're too busy making it. Ooh. I thought that was appropriate for today <laughs> because we're really talking about making history and part of history and all of that wonderful wonderful things but before we get into the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge I want to give a huge congratulations to the small town of Moraga California Forbes Uh you haven't heard about this I bet Heather but you'll be proud Forbes magazine just announced that uh, greatschools.org ranked the Moraga school district in Moraga California The fourth best school district in the entire United States. I could imagine that, which is unfortunate because
3: California, as many people know, uh, education work, I've always felt like growing up in Moraga that it was excellent school system. Um, unfortunately, with California's overall rating um, in, the, in the school system, we, we ranked like 45th or something. But That's exactly um, right. California is enough, almost but,
1: near the bottom. So yeah, we are sort of. we're, we're, were,
3: we're, we're the kings of we're at the top of a of a bad pile but but we're still at the top. It was excellent, excellent school. So many um, hats off to all the fantastic teachers and educations that Well but understand. more
1: than that, this wasn't a California status. This is out of the entire nation. So yeah. Merwaga is ranked fourth. Um first was Falmarth, Maine. Second was Barrington, Rhode Island, and third was Pella, Iowa. And what wow. all four areas had in common was that they're small communities between ten and 37,000 people. Uh, Moraga has only 16,000. And actually it has shrunk, so it's probably 15,000-something. And uh, the other common denominator was they all have these key assets. They have devoted teachers, very challenging curriculums, very involved parents, parcel taxes for schools, which... Uh, is great except I just you know paid my tax bill and just for six well whatever half of a year the the taxes that I personally pay for the school district are eighteen hundred dollars that's just wow. one household and they also have vibrant cultures of achievement now Rhode Island spends ten thousand dollars per student per year. Moraga spell spends $8,700 per student per year. And of course, it's augmented by the parents. And then the other Lombarinda schools were ranked in the top 10 in California. But, uh, Moraga is one of the best in the whole nation. So woohoo. Yeah. And, no, uh, and I
3: can, and I can definitely see that it's something, um, I remember when my graduating class, it, it was a very, um, Academic driven uh, school. So people, it was, there was a sense of pride, very much people were into the extracurricular, giving back, sports. Um, And I want to say, I mean, I know it's not 100%, but a very, I I would think at least 80% of our graduating class was going on to um, some kind of college. For the most part, four years colleges. And uh, many of the kids graduating in my particular class were going on to. Um, Ivy League uh, colleges, Ivy I League universities, and in my graduating class, we actually had three people actually go on to the Olympics who not only made it after, uh, athletically, but they themselves, one was going to, I, I believe one of, one of our students was going to Stanford and the other was going to UCLA. Um, who also went on to the Olympics, I'm, I'm a little unclear about the third one. but Well, you know, um,
1: when you say the percentage, it's it's actually of the graduating students that go on to secondary education here in Moraga. It's actually 99%. Wow. So it's oh, really, wow. That's, it's, really it's really high. It's really high. And in fact, I want to say uh, because, you know, I'm really proud because Be the Star You Are charity is is based here in Moraga. And we work really hard with the students and we start uh, in grammar school with the volunteers. We work with them through junior high and through uh, high school and college. And what's so interesting, we just had a meeting last night and we were going through what has happened to these kids because our motto is read, lead, succeed. And, and I'm always saying what I do here is... In my coaching and mentoring, I want to grow readers, leaders, succeeders. And we were noting that we have um our past teen chair people of the charity. They have been going to Harvard, mm-hmm. Yale, <laughs> NYU, Stanford, oh, and Cal cool. Berkeley. So it's they really are, you know, they really are stellar. All around students because they're not just good in school, but here they're heading up the teen divisions of charities. Uh, they're they're active in extracurricular activities. You know, it, and they are giving back to and, the and community. It's good enough, so these are right.
3: all that that Moraga, that the La the district. That these are public schools.
1: This is not
3: a private thing by any means. Um, oh right!
1: And, oh yeah! I'm glad you mentioned that. This is all this is all you know, public all, school. This is,
3: this all is, all is not public, public schooling, and so that's a big thing when it when um, you see that the public schools are doing that well. That really does say a thing towards the community because there's community involvement with that. Um, just what you're saying, is I know you guys have this big festival coming up soon, and just as all these great kids that are doing so well and making our town proud, they're participating in this, and this is another chance I feel for. Um, the community to participate in these children's lives um, of showing or of helping out their community service, but also, you know, giving back um, to just as you said, we are celebrating our seventh year on World Talk, um, but the the charity itself was just celebrated the 15th, 16th year, um, so that's one thing of this charity is, is based in Moraga as well and is help led by with so many of these youth that are doing so right. well. Right, so. yeah, and
1: we're going into the eighth. This is, we're in our eighth year now on World Talk Radio, and we've been broadcasting live since 1998. We were broadcasting on AM radio out of San Francisco before that. But, of course, we love being here at World Talk, and now it's Voice America as well, so it is great. Well, we'll get on to our topic, but I just thought that I really had to get out these kudos to all these dedicated people and to the volunteers here in Moraga who are... You know, helping so much to do, uh, to make this place a great place. Well, the royal wedding, okay, everyone was glued to their televisions and reading all about it in the last few weeks. Kate Middleton, Prince William, it was a triumphant occasion for the Brits. But for us Americans, we don't have castles. We don't have kings and queens. So that fairy tale pomp and circumstance of the royals really fascinates us. But Heather and I want to go behind the scenes. We want to know, are they passionately in love? Or is this another child, Charles and Diana story that solely to create an heir to the throne? And how much money is spent? So. We want to look at this perfectly, elegantly orchestration of what is being called the majestic merger of the century. <laughs> First off, in
3: my opinion, one, I, I guess I'm just so desensitized to this stuff that I feel like I don't know these people and I would not want people invading into my life. However, they are the kings and queens. Um, you know, it feels like a world away which again is so funny in today's society that being a king, a queen, a prince, or a princess really is more of a title. They are just sort of this uh, aristocrat type people because they don't, they don't, um, it's not like a, a president thing. In, in uh, Europe, um, over there, you know, they have their prime minister. They have these people that they're actually in charge of um, these kinds of things. The, the kings and queens are more of this forever image. And it's those Americans, because we don't have that, um, we celebrate it more. We, there was just such a fascination. And um, according to various reports, and now in today's media, how you can, you know, DVR and YouTube and play over and over, um, but in the first 24 hours in the live showing of it, um, they have an estimated over 2 point something billion people watched this wedding. So basically, you know, almost half the world was tuning in um, to see to see this wedding, to see this. Beautiful thing. Um, what was so interesting about it is who's paying for all this? And I was uh, looking at looking at some stats. So one thing is that a lot of taxpayers actually had to pay for um, such a high amount of the security that went into it. Um, I think it was. Something around thirty-five million dollars was spent uh, just for the security of the wedding. If you saw any of those pictures,
1: well, just for uh, security, what, what kind? I mean, obviously they have to have uh, a, a lot of. There was of over Service.
3: five thousand police officers um, that were hired, as long as long as as law, as well. Excuse me, as well as uh, navy, army, and uh, air force. All had to be on there. Um, one, it was for the the cities, the protection of the people. If you saw the brigades, um, they had to set up for all these people coming, people traveling all over the world to see this, as well as they needed the protection um, of the of the wedding of the of the royal family. So all these people, and, and they again thinking of the price which are paying hourly, yearly, hourly, five thousand police officers um, for one sale event. Um, Some other interesting uh, financial things that weren't on to the taxpayers but was interesting to spending-wise, the cake. The cake
1: cost an estimated $80,000. You know, Um, when I read that, Heather, I was wondering how could a cake possibly uh, cost $80,000. I know it had to be 600 guests or whatever. uh, But
3: A statistic I saw that I thought, oh, you would have loved to be – um, the floors for this wedding this wedding, it was an estimated eight hundred thousand dollars were spent on flowers throughout um the, the whole procession. So I'm just imagining where they're getting all these and oh just the enormous cost for this. And uh, that ring, if anyone has seen um I guess it goes for, it becomes something old as well as something blue. Um, the engagement ring of Catherine Middleton um, was this gorgeous uh, blue. I think it was a, a sapphire, and it was actually Princess Diana's. Um, his uh, it was given to her as her engagement ring, and then so Prince William now passed it on to his now wife. At the time of its purchase, um, back in uh, the eighty, in 1981, I believe it was an estimated forty-five thousand dollars. And with today's kind of you know changing of the times and going. It's priced at about one hundred and thirty six hundred thousand dollars, and what was interesting too is it was so beautiful and so different looking. There's uh, many times after the Oscars, how we see a dress or something, and instantly um, they kind of come out with uh, knock designer knockoff. This ring has been everywhere. You can get it at your local mall you know, for fifty bucks. <laughs> so it's
1: rather beautiful. Um, so I have friends who actually did go online and buy the reproductions, and they were flashing it around and I have friends who also on the day of the wedding, donned their hats and their their craziest hats, and they yes. had tea <laughs> i
3: had, I had many friends getting up at three a m having a royal you know a, a, a viewing party unfortunately I was working um so i I would do a find a scene on the news for the next day. Um, but yeah, many people here in America and it was interesting to see on the news too how they would interview people that were making this trek, um, you know, half across the world to to watch this, to be one of those people way out in the distance, you know, we're watching this from a, a big screen. Um, I guess it's just another one of those things historically a moment um existing because we're no longer in that society of the kings and the queens and I think this moment kind of offers um you know this kind of whimsical, the happily ever after thought, and uh, even though they're they're. Well, you know enough, what
1: I think sets this one apart, Heather. I think what sets this apart is that she, even though her family is wealthy, they're considered middle class, or and she's considered quote unquote a commoner, a commoner. because she doesn't have any <laughs> any royal blood in her, which is um, a, a true departure from what the royals in the past have been expected to do and it does seem since they've been together for almost 10 years that they truly are in love and I think what sets it also apart is that both uh, Prince William and Prince Harry actually have jobs, which Mm -hmm. in the past, you know, the royals don't really have jobs. They ride their horses and they play cricket and they wave to people. But, you know, this time around, this time around, they really have something to do. So I think people were really most interested in this wedding. And and of course, they were very interested in what she was going to do for a dress because you can't enter Westminster Abbey unless your shoulders are covered. So it was, um, this is considered, you know, this, it was really like one of these spectacles that everybody is going to say, where were you that day? Because people, so many people who were around in 1981 really remember Diana and Charles, a wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, You know,
3: something that was interesting I saw today on the, people were talking about, you know, this infamous dress. Um, some Italian princess. It was shown on the news, saying
1: she handled it with such grace. I, I don't remember uh, the name of this. Are you thinking of Italian... Princess Grace, uh, Princess Grace of Monaco, when she no, married? No, there was an Italian princess that uh, some of Italy or some somewhere in
3: some Italian thing that was just married two years ago, and they showed, and oh. literally it is the exact same dress. And so now there's this whole hoopla on the news this morning. And handling it like a prince that just said when people are saying, Oh my gosh, this you know, this this looks almost a fragment different from your own and people were making such a big deal over how amazing Catherine Luchess was, she just simply answered, Well, the girl has wonderful taste then and I thought that was very Oh how very classy. That's a very, <laughs> very classy.
1: <laughs> very classy answer. Well, I also was something that people may be interested in is that Supposedly now they are on their honeymoon in the Seychelles Islands, that is a place I have always wanted to visit. It is uh, on the East Coast, it's a beautiful island, the East Coast of Africa, supposed to have great scuba diving. Uh, That honeymoon is supposed to be costing over a million dollars. Again, I don't know who's paying for that. And uh, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are actually going to be taking a Canadian and American tour coming in July it'll be their first official visit and her first visit touching down soil in america and they're coming to california they're wow. going to be going to hollywood i think they probably want to go you know i don't know if they're gonna go see universal studios or what but they are also <laughs> scheduled to go to yosemite and the golden gate bridge so who knows we may just run into them but i'm wondering what kind of security there will be you know when they when they yeah. do come but but you know it's very fun. I I really I don't envy their life. I wouldn't like to be in a glass bowl like this and to have to have all those guards and you know people watching you cuz can you imagine when she comes over here everything that she does everything that she wears everything that she say, says is going to be scrutinized in the media. So it's it's difficult not to know um I mean I think it has to she has to have a lot of advisors or it's pretty hard to know what's gonna be the right thing. But anyway, yeah. very very fascinating. Did you wanna wind it up? I'm sure that no, we'll be Oh talking- no, just speaking of the royal treatment, get your car to get
3: a royal treatment. Um, all those great people out in the La Merinda area because there will be the car wash, and um is it the the Festival next? Uh, or this uh coming this coming weekend?
1: Yes, this coming Saturday from nine thirty to five, and we're hoping for sunshine. The weather forecast is saying rain, and I can't imagine you're gonna. You know, we'll have to washing your car in the rain. But in any case, we're going to have forty of the be the star you are teens out there. We're going to have fun no matter what, and. You know, there'll be wine and dancing and music and car shows. And, of course, we'll be there with our books and we'll be doing face painting. And we're going to have all kinds of baked goods. We have been working on this for a couple of months, so it's going to be a really great day. So, rain or shine, come on out. We'll polish your car up no matter what. And we will give it that royal treatment. So, Heather, give out the websites. Most definitely. Let me take you out
3: at uh, be the star you dot be the you are dot com, and comedy dot com, both with a K.
1: Well, and when we come back from break, we're going to go into that royal garden for some royal greens and some herbal teas. So, we're going to continue our fantasy day here. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And this is Star Style Be the Star You Are. Don't go away.
0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Be the star you are. org. Be the star you are. Light up the flame, let it burn. you are. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan.
1: Well, my purpose in providing you this radio program is to communicate to you that you already possess everything you need to be the producer, the writer, the director, and the star of your own life. You are enough you have what it takes and we want you to smile have fun and be willing to be wild and wacky and i want to get you reading some good books that some of them you probably haven't heard of. i am the author of several books chicken soup for the gardener Soul, be the star you are the businesses show business miracle moments the blessings of love and relationships and be the star you are for teens you can buy autographed copies Visit the website star-style.com or if you're in the area, come to the Moraga Fair this Saturday and you can get the autographed copies there as well as get autographs from some of the younger people that helped write Be the Star You Are for Teens. Our motto is to be a leader, you must be a reader. So sit back and enjoy the show. You know, uh, I love the new song by Lady Gaga that really is just, purporting the whole idea of being who you are loving yourself and knowing that you were born this way well it's interesting i just i got this information yesterday that she is now soliciting and there's only about 10 hours left if you're interested to do this that she is interested in people submitting to her homemade videos of them you know singing or putting their paws up or whatever to any of her new songs and then if uh, your video gets chosen of course you'll get paid and it's somehow gonna be incorporated into what she's doing so I thought that was rather interesting I wish that I had had something ready to go because I love the God an interesting fact came to me today and before we go into the garden I just want to tell a little bit about it and this year In July, there are going to be five Fridays, five Saturdays, and five Sundays. This happens only once every 823 years. It's called the money bag year. So interestingly enough, it's based on Chinese feng shui, and this will be the only time in any of our lifetimes that we are going to be here in this body anyway. And we also have other unusual dates We've already experienced some of them in uh, 1111. Another, it was January 1st, January 11th, and then there's a, a November 1st and November 11th. That'll so be 1111111. One, one. But here's the most important, or the in most interesting thing: take the last two digits of the year in which you were born, and add the age that you will be this year, and the result is going to be 111. For every single person in the entire world because it's called the year of the money so try it just as you're listening right now just try it Uh, add your age to the year the age you will be in 2011 to your birth the last two digits of your birth year and it should uh, end up being 111 very fascinating I don't know how these numerical things happen but Heck, I'll believe in it, and if it show me the money, I'll say we'll take it. Well, keeping in line with the topic of royalty, we're going to have a little tea time, but we're going to go beyond the usual, and we are going to plant snips deep and make some herbal teas that you can grow in your garden now, and then you can enjoy them all year. You don't find these in the market, so you want to get out your trowel. And get ready to dig deep and plant these in the ground. So, some of the herbal teas that you would really enjoy having uh, this year and that are really easy to grow. I grow, I drink pots and pots of tea every day, and almost all of it is all from my garden. Uh, The first one is an anise hyssop, and you may, it tastes kind of a licorice flavor, and you can use the blossom. And you can use the leaves of the one that's called uh, Golden Jubilee, and it'll grow to about three feet tall. has a really pretty purple flower. So, you want to try that for this licorice-flavored tea. Another one is uh, Monarda, which is bee balm, and this has a very citrusy kind of. It's a, a very. It's a pink color and it can be red or white and it looks really really pretty in a cup of tea so you can steep it and then you can actually add the blossom just as a little extra now chamomile I actually have it growing wild here and now I've uh, cultivated it what you do is you can snip the fragrant uh, really mellow blossoms it grows to about two feet and you can use it fresh or dried what I do it looks like a little daisy so I let it dry for, um, you, because it's so pretty as it is. So after it's dried, then I clip it off and then I let it dry completely. And when it is dried completely, then I just put it in um, a jar and then can use it in on my tea. And it's just like having little flower petals. Another one is Fever View. Now, you can use the bushy kind, uh, then uh, there's one called Golden Feather. It has very pretty. Chartreuse leaves, but they can be a bit bitter, so uh, you might want to have the um, uh, the herbaceous flower one, and it's like a chrysanthemum. Another one, lavender. I use lavender in just about everything, and you can make a lavender cream as well by uh, putting cream, warming your cream out, putting lavender in it, and then straining it through a cheesecloth. And it's compact. You can use any of the, the English lavenders, which will produce plenty of blossoms for steeping. Or you can use Spanish lavender or French lavender. It doesn't really matter. Now, lemon balm, it is in the same family as mint. It's not quite as invasive. It's a bit uh, bushier, and it really tastes like a lemon mint. It's very citrusy, but it still has a, a mint kick to it. Not One that you taste in... Um, uh, what is it, Thai food all the time is lemongrass and that this is a flavor that it's concentrated in the base and you gotta harvest it by separating the stalks and the roots from the clump it is an annual except for in really mild climates so I haven't had it come back as a perennial yet but I'm trying on that one another one that has a a very fragrant flower and it is has another sort of citrusy tinge to it is lemon verbena, and you want to prune it because it can kind of ramble on and it does grow up to six feet so you want to be careful with that one and then we have nutmeg geranium now this is all about aromatic leaves it's really really great to taste and it smells beautiful and it smells of nutmeg and it, it again is, the, is an annual so what do you do with the, uh, the blossoms like if you're doing chamomile, you want to put about 10 chamomile or fever view flowers into a, a pot of steaming water. Now, you could add some lavender if you want to heat it all up. And this is like making a three-flavored tea. Pour about a cup of hot water over it, steep for three or four minutes. Or if you like it longer, I like mine strong, I just leave it in there and then just strain it out. Another one that is just great, and it's very pretty because it, it makes sort of a a an orange sunset, you know, let's call it a sunset tea. You would use a couple stalks of your lemongrass, use some fresh lemon verbena, some lemon, uh, the bee balm leaves. And I add the zest of a Meyer lemon. I just pick it off my tree and steep it for about 20 minutes. Now, you may want to add some honey to that. And you can also use that as an iced tea, which is just terrific. If you want to make your own garden chai, try using nutmeg geranium leaves with some of the anise and again, let it steep for about fifteen minutes and if you want to add um, some milk to that that is it just is really, really terrific. But whatever you do, just have fun in the garden, rethink your greens and you know go beyond the usual so that you may have a royal tea time. So, keeping with that, when we return from break, we are going to continue our fantasy day with a Bildungsroman Roman-type adventure book that you will love, The Dragon Forest, when Ruth Duhit joins us. No one has ever entered this mysterious forest and lived. Will we? I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back. Stay with us. how to have a lot of humor in your life well Joel goodman founder of the humor project advises that there are thousands of ways to invite the smiles and laughter into the workplace besides just telling jokes hang posters with light-hearted messages in offices use humor humor as a tool for your communication make sure your humor is always tasteful and appropriate for the environment offer rewards to employees for adding more laughter and joy to the organization Humor is a powerful way to open doors, minds, and hearts. And as Victor Borges said, a smile is the shortest distance between two people. Creativity and humor go hand in hand, and humor adds to your bottom line. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business fight. For more information on your profitable business, visit star-style.com or call 925 925- 377-STAR.
0: Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are.
2: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany.
1: Well, thank you so much for staying with us, where we bring you the authors and experts every single week who enhance and inspire your life. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to Empowering families and women and youth through increased literacy and positive message programming, such as this radio show. So, visit the website be the star to get information on how you can help. Well, if you love Narnia and the books by C.S. Lewis or Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, you are going to love Ruth Duhit's The Dragon Forest. It's a coming of age novel of adventure, courage, and good over evil. Welcome, Ruth, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Ruth, I have to ask you if I'm pronouncing your name correctly, because <laughs> I, I realize it could be doothit or doot it. Uh, I'm or doubtit. Tell us how to actually pronounce it. It's, it's different.
2: Yeah, it's douthit like south, but it. Dalfit.
1: All yeah. right. Okay, I really it's important to get the name right and I'm going to spell that for people so they'll be able to find your book. That's D O U T H I T T. Ruth Dalfit. Well, uh Dalfit. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Ruth, I was crazy about your book and oh, I am really? not a 10-year-old boy and <laughs> and I tell you I've been telling everybody as I was reading it, I kept dreaming about it at nighttime and I would Feel like I was Peter flying on the back of this wonderfully kind two thousand year old dragon. You really hit onto something here. You say that it took you twenty years
2: to write this story. How did this come about? Well, uh, yeah, about twenty years ago, I was a young marine wife living in North Carolina. And my husband would uh, have to go on small tours of duty a lot. And so I'm a voracious reader, so I would spend hours in the library. And I am an artist as well. And I thought, you know, I could probably illustrate a children's book. And so I just uh, borrowed a whole bunch of books about writing one day and uh, started reading them. And I thought, you know, I could probably just write my own book. And I was very naive at age 20. And so I just jotted down in my journal uh, my ideas about a boy or maybe a prince entering into a mysterious forest and meeting a dragon. And that's about where it was, and I started sketching. And, but you know how it is when life kind of gets in the way, and I had to put it on the back burner for many years. And, uh, and about 97 is when I brought it back out again and reread my ideas, and I thought, you know, maybe it would be a better chapter book instead of just a picture book for little kids. Well, that's kind of where it started from there.
1: Well, I just honor the fact that you never gave up on the (laughs) dream. And, you know, it is the kind of tale that every child just gets encapsulated in and loves. And then I couldn't help but think, as I was reading this, I was at the premiere when it came out last year of... um, of the how to train your dragons oh, yes. which was a movie that I absolutely loved and Me too. it
2: and did you love it I just oh loved yes, it. I absolutely adored it. I never read the book, I had just seen the movie, and I loved it
1: well I think that your book and this movie tie in so well together because they it, it they are stories about little boys that are conquering their own childhood mm-hmm. that are making a man of themselves and are having to prove themselves exactly and i think that it's a it's a timeless story that we all need to learn that you know we have the power mm-hmm. we have everything within us that we need To be the king and queen of our own lives, but sometimes we don't tap into it until there's adversity that strikes.
2: Yes, and for me, uh, I brought the book back out again, and uh, when my son was about eight or nine, and the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out, and I one night was reading uh, a C.S. Lewis book, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, to him, and I told him the synopsis of my story, and he said, "Mommy, you've got to write this book. You've got to finish it." And I saw how excited he was, and I thought, maybe I should. And so it was around 2003, 2004 that I was able to outline it and just really get into it and start writing it. And so the Lord of the Rings books were really in the back of my mind, and the C.S. Lewis. And I really liked how C.S. Lewis put in the spirituality in there, and so I tried to do that in my book as well. Uh, of course I'm not a theologian like he was but <laughs> I tried to put those themes in there as well of, of encouragement of keep going no matter what and you know be patient and really the relationship of god and his people and and that covenant that promise you know and, and being loyal and being loyal and honoring that oath that you make and things like that and so it kind of evolved from there it just grew and grew into this uh big story that I finally finished around 2008 so
1: Well, and that is, this is something that sets the book apart because it's not just a fairy tale. It really has life lessons in it. And the spirituality part of it is, in my opinion, is part of what makes it so special because what we realize is, is that everyone fears this forest. You know, no one has come out of it alive where you going into it with the open heart and and then the whole idea of this dragon that everyone fears is really this wonderful caring loving benevolent father basically this guardian of all of them exactly and uh, that's the part that i really i thought was so wonderful is that he could see into your heart whether you were honest or not
2: exactly and I just I really wanted to stress the father son relationship. I di- I didn't really read a lot of books out there with father sons, you know, and I really wanted to stress that how the little boy really yearns to be a part of his father's life. And in the meantime, the the father who's this king and is overwhelmed by everything that's happening to him is able to go and approach the dragon in that same way. And so there's like this central theme that goes through it. And it's the first in a series of three books, and so you'll follow Peter as he grows and encounters more challenges in the next two stories. So.
1: And how did you come up with the the uh, very evil Lord <laughs> Kerrigan? I mean, the, this, uh, this evil is so... of course it just reminds us... Lord Kerrigan just reminds me that he is uh, the devil. In fact, you have him... At one point, becoming this turning into this black dragon, and you have a line in there that says something that you know at one time everyone they were all good people and they were all one, and all the it was like it was like the tribes, right exactly. it was like the tribes and exactly. and then some fell away because they become obsessed with greed and with power and how greed and power it's like the it's like the deadly sins how they really corrupt us yes
2: exactly and you really can't have good without the evil and so i had to have a character in there who would represent that and and cause the challenge and you know the contrast between the two and and it's true i mean the the dragon points out to peter uh, later in the story you know all the other kingdoms they built their castles away from the forest but this one castle faces the forest, and that's important, you know, because that's where you get your strength.
1: And well, it
2: was, it was like facing the light, exactly. You know, and if you turn away from that, you know.
1: Yes, exactly. That was the that was the thing about it. It was the it was that that the forest really was like the fountain of all birth and the mm-hmm. fountain of all goodness and the fountain that would be able to bring peace to the land, but only if humans wanted it. Exactly. So it wasn't something that it was it wasn't like it was magic yeah and it was something that was really soulful. Yeah. Whereas Carragon Carragon, Lord Carragon is
2: definitely black magic. It's very evil. It's mm-hmm. it's bad, you know. Exactly. And you kind of get the sense that he's working for someone. There's somebody else out there. Somebody bigger. Yes, yeah, so this this like Lord puppet, yeah. He's a
1: pup, pup, a puppet. He's like this Lord Bedlam. I imagine you're probably going to get into this more in, in the next books because exactly. I was, I was very anxious to find out who is this guy and then <laughs> what was the deal. And of course, I don't. I'm not going to give too much away while we're talking sure. on here because we want people to read your book. <laughs> I am speaking with author Ruth Salvet and her book is The Dragon Forest, and it is fantastic. And although she wrote it with the idea of being, you know, on, on the same lines of C.S. Lewis or of Tolkien's uh, books, and he's writing it more for young children or teenagers. I'm telling you, this is a book for everybody, because it has the ideals and the thoughts and just the aspirations that we all want. And plus, we all have that child inside of us that longs for the mystery and the fantasy and that whole royal kingdom idea. So Exactly. It's such a great book. But I was really interested to find out about these these special swords that Lord Bedlam had made, had made and given to all the different uh, royalty. And what was that? What <laughs> What is the mystery, the magic that lies yeah. within? And yeah, why do we have to gather them?
2: Yeah, they'll be explained a little bit more in the later books. But what it comes down to is, it's kind of like um a symbol of God's word. I mean to the Christian the Bible is the sword, the sword of truth. And so that theme kinda was in my head while I was writing it. And there's counterfeits too. And so when he bestowed these gifts upon these kings, it was kind of reminiscent of how in the Lord of the Rings the the Sauron gave the rings, you know, to all the different tribes and bewitched them. They didn't realize it, but he was controlling them. And so that's kind of like the theme where Lord Bedlam was trying to entice them and, you know, get them to enter into this pact with him by giving them these beautiful gifts. And all of the kings except one, you know, bought into it. And so in order to destroy him they might have to do something with those swords later on i don't know <laughs> right i think they might
1: well and that to me was that was something that was very intriguing was because it isn't that the way it is in life yeah. is people try to bribe you with gifts they want something they try to, to you know to give you something to bribe you and then you think that they're a good person when in reality it is this Whole idea of greed again—that speaking and it's not coming from the heart. Exactly. So all that glitters is not gold. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we we must remember that. Now, what about this wonderful dragon? This you know, he, he suffered. Uh, of course, I was feeling that this was the dragon that was you know losing, giving his scales. It was like dying on the cross. That's, that was the, what I took away from it. But the re, but in reality, you know, he lives forever. So will the dragon be back? Oh, you'll have to find out. (laughs) Oh, we're going to have to find out. So there's going to be three books in in uh, the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Now, you started to say at the at the top of the segment that you were an illustrator so that you were thinking of possibly doing a children's book and illustrating. I still think you could do a children's book with this. Yeah, and...
2: that's a great idea. I thought about that, too. That would be a, a way to get the younger readers into the story, too
1: don't you think? I think it would be a wonderful because it's a very visual book and yeah. there are no there are no illustrations in this book and I really wish there were. Mm-hmm. However, my mind was really really going wild with my imagination especially with all of these these wolf Dogs, creatures, <laughs> and the ogres, and you have wonderful, wonderful characters in here. Tell me what your son feels about the book now yeah. that it's
2: finished. Believe it or not, he hasn't read it yet. <clears throat> he keeps promising me that he will. Um, but the more I shared with him, uh, the more he liked it. Even last night, I was telling him about the battle scenes and everything. And <clears throat> as I was writing the scenes, it's it was very hard for me because I am a visual person, so I'd have to watch you know, Gladiator, or I'd have to watch Lord of the Rings and watch some of the battle scenes and then go to my computer and write those scenes. And so I was explaining to him, you know, I have these mythical creatures that fly and they attack, and what do you think about that? And he'd say, oh, that sounds really cool, you know.
1: <laughs> so I kept
2: checking back with him, making sure that I was, you know, in tune with my audience. But as well, I, yeah, it's as interesting grew, you know, the, the Peter grew, and so it kind of just worked that way. Well, being so visual
1: because you're very, very descriptive in Mm -hmm. your battle scenes, all the scenes. And especially like going into the castle and being in the dungeon and then all the secret rooms and Mm, (laughs) the special tutor and, and just, you know, just the way of life in a castle and the way the villagers lived and how each different kingdom had different kinds of houses and different ways of life and different actual philosophies. Yeah, it, a lot
2: of research went into that, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> that's what I wanted to ask you about. You must have spent, you know, years just reading as many books, uh, you know, on, on, uh, on history, on different mm-hmm. cultures, et etc.
2: Yeah, I had to read a lot of books about that time, medieval castles and all the different people that lived in the courthouse, in the courtyards and everything, and their jobs. And that was really fascinating. I had no idea that there were so many jobs that made a castle run, and that the courtyard was really like the place of commerce for the people. They would come in, and that's where they were trade and purchased, and, and everything it was a little city within these walls, the outer walls and then the inner walls. And, and the king had his special place, and they had their own winery, and... And everything, it was just amazing, everything that I learned about it. And I was able in 2009 to go to Slovakia on a trip, and I got to see some of the castles high up on the hills and everything, and that helped me um, know that I was on the right track. And then I was driving along a road one time, and I saw a forest just out in the middle of nowhere, just right there, a forest. And I thought, there's the dragon forest, yeah. (laughs) And so I thought, oh, good, I'm on track. I'm on track with how I thought it in my head, you know. So I'm, I'm a very visual person. I think that's because I was raised in the 70s and watching TV all the time and going to see Star Wars and all these movies. So I'm more of a, a visual storyteller that way.
1: Well, I think that's just another reason why it would be really important for you to actually illustrate a children's book and do a children's a trilogy, too, to start them off on it so that when they get a little older, then they can read the expanded
2: Versions, mm-hmm. you That's know, a great idea. Yeah, I'm going to have to pursue that. I really
1: want. No, you really, really should because I don't. I really, as I said, when I read this book, I, although it's wonderful for you know the the ten, the twelve, the teenage years, or anybody, as you said, that would like C.S. Lewis or Tolkien, I think it's great for all ages. This, <laughs> <Thank> this <you. laughs> is. I'm so cra- I'm crazy about these kind of books. I love you know Knights of the Round Table and Guinevere mm-hmm. and Anything that has the forest and the castles, but especially the dragon, yeah. and especially that whole ethereal feeling of of who the dragon represents, mm-hmm. and and how we can meet our challenges and dig deep within ourselves. To become the people that we were born to be. I mean, it's like be the star you are. I mean, these, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. These, your characters are shining in there and the growth of Peter and the relationship with his father mm-hmm. is very caring and very loving. And so many people will identify because, you know, we have, you, you lose your, mo- your mother dies or something happens or children are, uh, have uh, divorces in their family, and they don't know what happened. So I think your your book touches on all these emotions that we need to deal with as children and also as adults. Sure, absolutely. So it's just it's a great book. The name of the book again is The Dragon Forest, and on the cover it says R. A. Douthit. Mm-hmm. That is the name, which is really Ruth, and it's D. O. U. T. H. I. T. T. And let's give out your website, uh, Ruth. Do you want them to go to dragonforest.blogspot.com? Yes, that would be great.
2: And, that'd there's, be,
1: uh-huh. and there's also a Facebook page, too. And Facebook. So go to the dragonforest.blogspot.com for the latest of what's happening. And then we're going to have to watch for the next two in the series, which are going to be great. And then, of course, now we know that she's going to do a whole children's series because I can't wait to see her going. <laughs> And who knows? It may end up being a movie or something. I would love to see a movie of this. This oh, is the kind of movie, the kind of movie I love. So get those other two written. You're going down in history. You're 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 part of this royal, this royal forest here. I hope so. <laughs> well, Ruth, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Go to the. TheDragonForest.blogspot.com Make sure to look for it everywhere And you can ask for it If it's not available Ask for it in your bookstores Of course it's available online The Dragon Forest, Ruth Douthit. Ruth, thank you so much for being on Star Day I'll be the star you are Thank you, Cynthia, I appreciate it It's great Well, thank you all for being great listeners And allowing us into your life each week Thanks to my team at World Talk Radio Voice America for making us sound great, and of course to my co-host Heather Brittany. For more information about the charity, visit be the star you are.org. And until we go and celebrate, next week you go out into the world, be the star you are, and shine, shine, shine. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I thank you from Star Style and Be the Star You Are. Ciao for now. Be the star
2: you are.
3: The star
0: Be the star you are.
2: You are the star.
0: Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our favorite press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today, powered by the World Talk Radio Network.